0: There's statistics that show the most successful entrepreneurs share a couple characteristics. The first is resilience
1: mm-hmm.
0: and the second is grit you know mm-hmm. and you know so there's no substitute for those things. Resilience means you, you know look it doesn't matter you know dust yourself off, get up, figure it out and, and look for the opportunities and so there's, there's going to be massive opportunities coming out of this. And I personally don't, don't see a big real estate crash Coming, coming from this, from this virus. As I said, I've I've done economic analysis. You know, I've I ran a hedge fund for many years and published an economic newsletter for many years. And this this looks very different than two thousand eight.
1: Welcome to the Accelerated Investor Podcast with Josh Kentwell. Josh Kentwell. If you love entrepreneurship and investing in real estate, then you are in the right place. Josh is the CEO of Freeland Ventures Real Estate Private Equity and has personally invested in well over 500 properties all across the country. He's also made hundreds of private lender loans and owns over 1,000 units of apartments. Josh is an expert at raising private money for deals and he prides himself on never having had a boss in his entire adult life. Josh and his team also mentor investors and entrepreneurs from all over the world. He doesn't dream about doing deals he actually does them and so do his listeners and students now sit back listen listen learn learn and accelerate your business your life and your investing with the accelerated investor podcast
2: So, hey, welcome back to Accelerated Investor. Thank you so much for all of you. Uh, I know a lot of you guys are tied up in your homes, your you're, you're, you're social distancing, You're spending time with your spouses and your kids at home, and the engagement on our podcast skyrocketing, people listening to this, whether they're in their cars, but mostly at home, whether you're working out in your home, going for walks. I uh, just want to tell you that we're thinking about you. We're thinking about all of your safety, of course, Uh, but for sure, your pursuit of freedom as an entrepreneur, a real estate entrepreneur, a business entrepreneur. Uh, And we're really happy to bring these podcasts and this information to you in this crazy time. Uh, So thanks for sharing this on social media. Thanks for sharing this with all of your members and all of your comments, questions, and reviews that you've been sending in. Uh, Today, I have a special guest. His name is Bob Frazier. He is the founder of of an organization called Aspen Funds. Uh, They invest in mortgage notes, both performing, And non performing, high yield performing and non performing mortgage notes. Uh, He's been an investor for a long, long time. He invested through the crash of the dot com crash of 2001. Uh, His partner invested through the crash of 2008. Uh, Of course, we're going to talk about those experiences and how they, uh, you know, how it helps him create perspective around what's going on with this natural disaster of 2020. Uh, They have over 2,000 mortgage notes in their portfolio. uh, And we're going to talk about different ways. Ways to create cash flow, alternate ways to invest, especially investing in debt and how to run a business and how to really kind of fly the plane in uncertain economic times. So, Bob, thanks so much for joining us on Accelerated Investor. How are you?
0: Fun to be here with you, Josh.
2: Fantastic. So, um, Bob, so what I'd love to start my podcast with, my guest interviews with, is to talk a little bit about what's going on right now. I think our audience always wants to know, not to maybe start with your background from maybe 10 or 20 or 30 years ago, but let's talk about what's going on today. So tell us a little bit about your <laughs> your kind of money-making strategy in your businesses today. What do you do on a day-to-day basis in the business that you run? And of course, tell us a little bit about how your business has been impacted by this virus that we're fighting now.
0: Sure. Well, we're basically super busy buying notes, um, uh, mortgage notes, and um, and raising money from investors to do the same. So it, you know, and uh, we buy we buy two kinds of notes. We buy non-performing notes, um, and then we repair them, and we also buy performing notes and collect cash flows and pay the cash flows. So we have five different funds, and um, so it's good times and bad times, right? And uh, you know, you know, I love, I love, you know, listening to what you guys are doing because you're very, you're very opportunistic as well. You're looking, you're not just looking for, hey, hunker down, but where's the opportunity? So we're, we're doing exactly the same thing. And we're, we're seeing price, prices softening, um, which we love, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, we love that op- opportunity. And uh, so That's we're great. very busy buying, very busy building those relationships. You know, we find investors are a little more, you know, uh, asking more questions, a little slower to pull the trigger. Everybody, you know, all the sphincters tighten when uh, things like this happen. (laughs) Right. uh, But that's all right, you know.
2: So, Bob, tell us a little bit about how you guys acquire notes. Are you guys an originator who originates private money and hard money loans? Is it resi commercial, uh, residential or commercial? Or are you finding now that maybe some other private money lenders or hard money lenders are, you know, maybe feeling some of that liquidity problem and they're looking to sell portfolios? Tell us a little bit about, you know, for your own fund and obviously for our investors and our our listeners uh, you know, how would they get into the note business of acquiring and finding notes to buy?
0: Yeah, we 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 buy we buy notes and we we generally we we don't deal very many in very many hard money loans. Almost all of our notes are bank originated. Um, okay. so we we buy loans that were one time defaulted. They're they're called troubled debt restructures, typically mm-hmm. modified loans. They're sold at a deep discount um, to their to the UPB and those are those are what we buy cash flowing and we we generally buy from direct from you know the financial institutions or brokers note brokers or hedge funds who who buy these and uh that kind of thing so we're we're, we're very busy generally they're bought in pools you know uh mm-hmm. larger pools uh, but there are some also just third-party websites where these things are available
2: fantastic so th- obviously this whole business of this virus is creating all this forbearance. And a lot of these notes are going to go into forbearance plans. I just recorded a podcast with a friend of mine who's the VP of market economics at auction.com. And we were talking about the spike in forbearances that are happening, which is going to create more non-performing loans. Banks are going to need liquidity to sell off some of their, even their performing paper to create liquidity to, you know, just uh, stay within their lending guidelines. And and, um, so how do you anticipate that this, uh, this health scare, this virus business is going to impact your business. You guys are going to see a lot more opportunity and people needing to sell their portfolios.
0: Yeah, definitely. We're already seeing it. And, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of... Uh, you know, when when these money crises happens, the money kind of disappears, and so the liquidity disappears from the markets, and that that if affects all investment sectors. Um, we are seeing we're going to see an increase in the defaulted notes. You know, and and there's there's always a crisis, and there's always these things happening. And what happens with banks is, uh, once a note goes into what's called non accrual status, meaning that they don't expect to receive any more payments on this note, it, they basically have to write it down. And um, for second mortgages, for example, in most cases, you have to write it down to zero. So, mm-hmm. it literally becomes a zero on their books. At that point, you know, it, they can keep it around but, it, you know, somebody just got to clean out, the, you know, take out the trash. Mm-hmm. And um, so, so even even if those loans are restructured, and they end up performing; they're still considered trash. So, so generally it doesn't create a lot of opportunity. You know, uh, down down the road, it doesn't happen fast. You know, it's a you know six months to year delay. After the fact that those things really start hitting the market, but but yeah, the, but then there's a lot of right now we're we're buying portfolios of funds that are kind of you know exiting the business and because they have liquidity concerns they're selling off their note portfolios you know mm-hmm. which may be unrelated you know you you have a margin call in your in your stock account and you need to sell off something else so that's the kind of thing we're seeing right now
2: yeah so for those folks who are looking at investing in notes why and we, we we talked about this getting ready for this uh, this podcast but comparison between, you know, maybe investing equity in rental properties, uh, versus debt on, on, on a, on a, on a piece of real estate, help our audience understand what's the benefits of each. You've done both. You've seen other investors do both and you really feel strongly. You like being on the debt side of things. Um, so help our audience understand where's the play to buy notes or own debt versus owning an asset and owning equity. And, um, you know why has your passion gone toward the debt side of things?
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, you know, I lost everything, in, in two two thousand, my partner lost everything in two thousand eight, and he was a real estate guy. He was a he was a real estate developer. Okay, he took hard money loans, buying undeveloped land, and you know, and uh, you know, well, undeveloped land, the value dropped something like seventy percent, and you know. Uh, where where the housing market dropped 35%, developed land, undeveloped land dropped, or partially developed land dropped 75%. Because getting
2: financing to fund and develop land became almost impossible. That was the last tranche
0: of financing that banks wanted to do coming out of the recession. Right, so he borrowed money from hard money lenders, bought this stuff, was gonna develop it. Everything just, everything evaporated, ability to finance this new project, the economics didn't make sense anymore. And and in spite of him having plenty of margin in this in this land, all of a sudden it all disappeared, and he ended up handing it back to guess to who? His hard money lender. Right. And the hard money lender basically ended up making money on on that transaction at the end of the day, and that's when the lights went on. You know, you know, some of us are not always, you know, uh, super smart up front, but we you know we learn a lesson when, we, when it's presented to us on a two by four. Right. And, and uh, <laughs> you know, you know, so. Yeah, exactly. So that the lights go on. Maybe debt makes sense. Let's get on the other side of the debt equation. And so we 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 started this business eight years ago to get on the debt equation and and to really make make something bulletproof. Having having gone through two crashes, and we both lived through the SNL crisis in the '90s. So okay, we've endured three crashes, and and guess what? You know, here we are, number four. And you know one of one of the one of the lessons I've learned through this is that everybody is waiting for the last crash to happen again. It yeah. never happens. Never right? happens. It never There's happens. another one coming after crash. this too. The, the, yeah, the the next crash is never like the last one, you can be sure of that. It's the one thing you're sure of. Yeah. And and so we but we built a very bulletproof type model um, with notes by by building high equity notes we we do very unique underwriting for instance we, 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 uh, we, we calculate how much money, if this property were to rent versus the, the principal and interest payment that's being paid to us, what's the ratio there? We only go where the rent is quite a bit higher than the principal and interest, which means mm-hmm. this property is a super good value.
2: So, you're looking right? at basically debt service coverage ratio, right? Is, is, De- is, is that what you call it? Debt
0: coverage ratio, but no, to rents to rent. Okay. So, if it were, so, we're the lender. We don't own the property. We want to know if someone were to buy this property and rent it and pay us our debt, how much are, are they going to make money? And mm-hmm. the, if the answer is yes, well, then it's cheaper to own than to rent. And as long as it's cheaper to own than the rent, we know the price of this property is a good price. So we, we basically bulletproofed our entire portfolio over the last two years, as we nice. saw the prices going up to move where the where the rents exceed the principal interest payments by significant margin. We moved to bread and butter areas in the Midwest. And so I'm, I'm uh, curious, Bob, what's the margin? Are you looking for portfolio? 25,
2: 30% margin over principal and interest? What's the number?
0: yeah it, it can double in some cases so okay. but yeah you certainly want to see it higher you know mm-hmm. and and so we've, we've aggressively moved our, our portfolio in, into these kind of things the other, the other things we looked at is we buy owner-occupied loans okay you follow me? versus sure. hard hard money so if you're if you're a hard money developer and that you get upside down right you go negative equity on that what are you going to do with that well you're going to hand the keys back to your lender
2: right sure but On the other
0: hand if this is your home, and your kids are going to school, and your wife is living there, and your property was underwater. What are you going to do?
2: Yeah, you're going like, to fight to keep. You're not
0: going to do anything. Yeah, and it's your castle. So we buy, you know, probably ninety five percent owner occupied. So again, wow. we've 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 built a bulletproof kind of, and you know, bulletproof is a big word, but but we've bulletproofed our 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 system, and to and all intentionally, intentionally, yeah. as we with our scars you know we want to make sure that uh, that whatever came next you know we were we were going to be able to take care of our investors
2: that's fantastic are you ready to automate and explode your real estate investing we're searching for extremely motivated individuals who are sick and tired of wasting time and want to finally see real results from their real estate investing business We're searching for investors looking to get to the next level and become a bigger, better version of themselves while being a more successful real estate investing entrepreneur. Apply for mentoring and coaching at joshcantwellcoaching.com forward slash podcast. That's joshcantwellcoaching.com forward slash podcast. Uh, for people who are interested in this type of uh, investing, passively investing, you have funds. We have we have three funds that we run. So uh, where can people go to learn more? You have a website, uh, I believe it's aspenfunds.com if they want to check that out. Is that right?
0: No, it's aspenfunds.us
2: dot us. Perfect. Um, and what would they would be investing in would be a pool of these performing or depending on the fund, non-performing that you're going to get worked out these, uh, these notes that you're buying basically at a discount. And when you factor in, okay, there's a certain yield on that note based off of the, the unpaid principal balance. You're buying that note at some sort of a discount, which jacks that's up right. the yield, right? So people need to understand that's where the yield comes from because people might be thinking, well, You know, uh, a a performing residential owner occupied loan might only have a 5% interest rate. So how do I make money on that? Well, the difference is, is that Bob's company acquires that portfolio at a discount, but they're still getting the 5% yield off the UP unpaid principal balance. And But they're, they're all in number as some fraction, some wholesale price beneath that. So the yield exactly goes right. up significantly. That's where that's where that's where Bob's talking about. You, you, you got it.
0: You got it exactly. And yeah. and what's what's more is because we buy at a discount, when that little home is sold or refinanced, we recover that discount and it ends up being cap gains. And so people think in note investing there's no cap gains. Well, we have a lot of cap gains. There you and, go. Uh,
2: Instead of just instant come I'll take you
0: over secret, but then I'll have to kill you. But, yeah. But,
2: but, well, tell me. You got know, I'm, 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 to come find me in my basement home office.
0: <laughs> <laughs> buy a lot of seconds, and okay. we actually prefer to buy seconds. We they are better financially than first. And how so? If, yeah. Well, so if you have a three hundred thousand dollar property, hundred thousand dollar first, and a thousand second, okay. Mm-hmm. Which one would you rather own? Well, I'll take the second all day long. Sure. Because first, you may be, you're not gonna get much of a discount. Maybe you, you get a 20% discount, 10% discount max. The second, I, I can get a 30, 40, 50% discount on that. So yes. my yields go through the moon. And let's say in a crash scenario, am I really at risk? Not really. Not
2: really. You still got 30, 35 percent equity.
0: And then, so let's say I do get a 50% discount. So I pay 50 grand for this $100,000 note. Well, when this guy refinances or sells that home, guess what? I make a 100% hundred uh, uh, profit. Yeah. I double my full. money. So not only do I get double my yield, I double my money. And 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 these things are sold at crazy discounts. So I'll buy seconds all day long. Sec- seconds are, are magic. And I love that people hate seconds. I love when I tell people, <laughs> hey, I buy second mortgages. They're like, you know, stay away. You know, I love that because- So Bob, help me understand super the- Super inefficient market.
2: Yeah, so help me understand the inefficiency because if they're the lender that made the second, but they can still see the same equity that you see, but why would they want to get out of that mortgage? It's
0: a second. It's a, I, I'm telling you, this is this okay. not the way the world works. You're right. No one's really doing the, the true risk, risk and modeling of this. We, we, we're, we're deep financial nerds. And we do a real work, risk workup of this. We do, we basically model, our underwriting model, we look at every potential outcome for this note as, as a scenario. We, we, do, we, we do a probabilistic analysis of, every, of how, how likely is that scenario. And then we do a present, present value cash flow analysis of all the cash flows created from that scenario. And that becomes a cap of the price we pay for a note. So we're, we're nerds. And, and, and we do things that the banks don't do because they, they just, they're, you know, honestly, most of the people are just box checkers, right? It's mm-hmm. like check the mm-hmm. box, do the systems. We've done the homework to figure out the models that actually make financial sense.
2: That's fantastic. So you've learned your lesson from 01, you partner learned a lesson from 08. What are some of the things that you think you'd like to pass along to our audience with this health scare what have you learned just as now a seasoned entrepreneur? You know, you've been through some of those scares, gotten wiped out, and rebuilt your businesses multiple times. Some people might be li- thinking right now, like, I'm going to get wiped out. I don't know what's going to happen. But you've already proven because you and your partner have come back uh, and reinvested successfully that it can be done. Uh, you know, there's some crazy uh, statistic that, you know the most successful entrepreneurs sometimes get wiped out two three times before they hit the jackpot. Um, so, what advice would you pass along to our audience to say, look, you know, even if you do get wiped out through this health scare, you can rebuild. There are some principles, some things that you can do now and in the future to rebuild another successful business down the road. What are your thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, and that's a, that's a great point, Josh. You know, and there's there's statistics that show the most successful entrepreneurs share a couple of characteristics. The first is resilience,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and the second is grit. You know, mm-hmm. and you know, so there's no substitute for those things. Resilience means you, you know, look. It doesn't matter. You know, dust yourself off, get up, figure it out, and and look for the opportunities. And so there's there's going to be massive opportunities coming out of this. And I personally don't don't see a big real estate crash coming mm-hmm. coming from this from this virus. As I said, I've I've done. Economic analysis. You know, I've, I ran a hedge fund for many years and published an economic newsletter for many years. And this this looks very different than 2008. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think I think you guys are on the same page with me on sure. On that. We are. We're. we're you know, we 80 percent of FICO's uh, are are over 700 recently. Back in the back in the crash, only 50 percent were in 2008. So we're we're seeing. Underwriting is a very different standard. We're not seeing the same level of speculation, which drove up home prices in 2008. None of that. Plus, we're seeing mad, the, the, the housing market. Single-family homes have been massively underbuilt rel- relative to- A lot of demand. Yeah. Relative. There's The number of single-family starts is lower than any time in the last 20 years. And it has been. And if you look at relative to population, single family starts relative to population, it's lower than it's been in any time in the last 60 years.
1: That's great. That's good news for us. Yeah. There hasn't
0: been any new product built. Population continues to grow. So you're seeing massive demand, number one. And and then then you're, you're, you're seeing basically this is an external shock versus mm-hmm. an internal shock. There's nothing fundamentally wrong with the economy. So, you know, most economists are predicting a V-shaped recovery, meaning, you know, big, big crash here. Q2, but a recovery. I'm, I, I, I think it may be a little bit longer. I think this virus is going to hang out for a year or so. Right. And we may have multiple kind of quarantines, which hits cash flows. So so what we're modeling is basically reduced cash flows. So as borrowers, you know, struggle a certain percentage of borrowers, and let's say not all borrowers, but let's say, you know, a, a certain percentage. In the, in the great crisis in 2008, do you know, do you know what the default rate was? On, on first mortgages um you have to remind me it was 5% so yeah. 5 so so it's not as bad as people think now maybe we'll, maybe this will be worse maybe we'll hit more but I, maybe it hits 10 but that hits cash flows mm-hmm. so i think cash flows are going to be going to be impacted for a while now that creates uh, opportunity for cash flow investors to buy at a discount, but I don't think ROIs are going to be significantly Im- Im impacted, if, except in your if you're in commercial, and, you know hospitality or you know re- retail type type uh, products. Right. Residential type products. I don't. I don't think they're going to be significantly impacted. So I. I. My. My advice would be look for opportunities, um, solidify your investor base. You know Mm -hmm. and really really take a lot of time to make your investor base comfortable and um, and look look for the opportunities especially in the cash flow sectors
2: yeah i agree with that i've got a couple comments on that too and i'd like to hear your feedback on a few things the uh i just did this this other recording again with my friend darren from from auction.com and we, we, were, we were doing an analysis comparison to uh, some of the hurricanes that happened in New York, New Jersey, Hurricane Irma, you know, Houston, and then obviously the stuff that happened in Florida, and the amount of banks that stepped up to do forbearance agreements. And there was a big spike in forbearance agreements in those 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 submarkets, right? Now we're talking about really the whole United States being impacted by this virus versus those hurricanes impacting certain cities or certain certain areas. But what they found was is that out of all of the forbearance agreements that were offered in those areas during those natural disasters, less than one percent ended up in a in a uh, a foreclosure short sale scenario. So, what bankers are looking at now is to say, okay, we basically have a nationwide forbearance issue, not just in Houston or Florida or New York, New Jersey. Um, so let's go into this massive forbearance plan and let's get realistic that people are going to need some forbearance. But if we, if we strategically work these out with people over the next six months, a year, two years, tack the payments onto the back, work with people, again, these people will be able to afford their mortgages and there's not going to be as many foreclosures, right? Because we're talking about natural disaster versus systemic economic financial problems. Like 2008. So that was really good to hear that the, the bankers have already modeled out a couple times through these hurricanes that if they offer forbearance. And I think that's why the, the Fed and the government were so quick. To offer forbearance right away and say, you know, let's give people mortgage uh, relief. Let's give people rent relief uh, because we've seen some areas where this forbearance has worked out well. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to see it. Now, regardless of that, there's gonna be some people that just can't afford their mortgage. They're out too long, they have a cash flow problem like you discussed, and they just can't recover. Um, but people are always gonna need a place to live, right? So whether you're in apartments, residential, or the debt underneath those things, That's gonna tend to work out pretty well in in the long term. So, um, I'm interested to hear Bob your take on uh, liquidity and investors. So we recruit a lot of money from investors, just like you have. What have you seen in real time? You said again, like the the amount of calls that you maybe need to have, the investors maybe not pulling the trigger as quickly. It takes more time to educate them on what's going on, but you probably have a lot more money flocking to your offers because of what happened to the stock market. So talk about those levers that you have to pull, maybe more investor inquiries, but longer education time frame.
0: Yeah. And yeah, this is where having an eight year track record, you know, makes a difference, right? So mm-hmm. people tend to look, look at you a little different um, and uh, you know, we can point to a lot of things and, and we actually, we actually had some investors come to us that were on the fence and after this virus and the, the stock market crash, because literally we just posted a record-breaking quarter last quarter nice. Good and you. so you know so there's so it's kind of like you know you're 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 flipping off the stock market here and and investors tend to pay attention <laughs> exactly right. so, so i i i think I think results really matter. I think execution really matters. And I and I think investor communications really matters. You know, we're we're and, and in our in our last communication, we didn't we didn't uh, you know sugarcoat anything. You know, we, we, we definitely are seeing some impact. We're cautiously op- optimistic and but our but our funds are doing so well in spite of that that it didn't even matter we still posted a record
2: nice. um,
0: so, but but we're not but we're not uh we're not sugarcoating it we're, we i never want to surprise an investor ever right i always want to play my cards face up right yeah and and it earns a lot of investor trust so i i would say super important don't sugarcoat don't make things better than they are um but uh and, and track record matters so you can mm-hmm. Last it out and, and uh, find the opportunities, I think you'll find the investors. But generally, I've been through several of these crashes and been raising money through them both, you know, and, uh, and uh, money money runs scared as soon, as soon as these things happen, you know. But right now, because of our tracker, we've got institutional investors wanting to give us, you know, tens of millions in lines of credit and these kind of things um, that we're, we're talking to. So the, so smart money is not scared money a lot right. of times. So right. you can do after 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 the, the smart money. In my
2: newest real estate investing book, The Flip System, you'll learn the proven secrets and strategies that I've used to be a successful real estate investor. You'll also hear the story of my journey from quitting my job to doing over 2,000 units of apartments. The Flip System is now available for a limited time And you can grab your free copy at GetFlipSystem.com slash podcast. You'll learn the same proven principles and secrets and investing strategies that I used to quit my job and pursue a life of financial freedom. In this book, I'm sharing exactly how I was able to personally close over 750 profitable real estate deals, make over 400 private lender loans, raise over $30 million, and acquire over 2,000 units of cash flowing apartments. Get my newest book now for free at getflipsystem.com slash podcast. That's getflipsystem.com slash podcast. I just, um, again, saw some additional statistics about the mon- amount of money, institutional money, that was moved to cash. Um just this last month or so was something like $325 billion. And uh, so a lot of investors that had money, but it wasn't because uh, necessarily like lack of yield and what they were doing. It was that they had to create liquidity because of, again, residential investors who are freaking out pulling their money out of institutions so then institutions have to take some of their money and pull it out and move that to cash to create liquidity. Um, and so there again, still opportunity. I mean, there was one of the one of the hard money lenders, private money lenders that we originated for, uh, literally stopped originating a month ago, just had a call with them earlier today that they're starting to originate again, which is great. Mm-hmm. Now the product is again loan to values are lower, FICOs are higher. You know the the amount of experience they want is more, so it's 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 a more expensive product and tougher to get. Which is what exactly what we expected. We expect people to come out and say we'll lend again, but the criteria is going to be higher. You look at what Chase has done at Bank of America; they've jacked their FICO's up to over 700 uh, at at a minimum. So that's going to let some of those people that had maybe marginal credit, marginal experience, not going to be able to get as much liquidity or as much uh, as much money, and so. What's going to happen now is the the operators who have great investor relationships continue to yep. talk with their investors, can manage through this, can basically fly the plane while the fl- plane is going down, fly the plane and do well. They're going to end up with even more money, more relationships on the back that, end of this. Exactly
0: right, and and you know so we find these kind of crises, the external shocks, and to your point exactly about about the hurricanes and, and those kind of things. Again, those were external shocks. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's very very uh, you know, I think there's a lot of lessons we can learn from from those as, you, as you've pointed out. And you know, I, I would be I would be expecting a depression if our government had not done what they did. So my hats off to DC. We we give them a bad time most of the time, right? Most of us hate what they yeah. do, but but hats off they 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 did it. And as you know, it's, everybody's gonna have a problem with what they did, but I don't. I I, I think it's awesome, and they they saved us from a depression. What's happened is they. Put money in people's pockets so they can pay their bills, they can go shopping, and even you know, b- bumping up the unemployment, this kind of thing, you know. So, but what what we find is the weak players get pushed off, mm-hmm. and you know. So I'm driving around my neighborhood and seeing all these, you know, the the you know the the uh, re- retail spaces with lease signs out, you know. Yeah. But these were these were guys that were probably really on the edge, right? Anyhow. You know what I mean? The mm-hmm. comic book shop that never quite made it, you know, and yes. the cigar shop that never quite made it. And all of a sudden, and it's the same in, in, in everything, the weak players get pushed off the cliff. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and uh, that's, that's in one sense, that's sad for them. I, I get that. But and it's the same with the bars, the bars that were barely making it. Well, now, now they're going to have to get rid of the home you know mm-hmm. um, and that's but that 's not not necessarily a bad thing it 's a fresh start you know they can pull some equity out of their property and go get a cheaper place they can they can get live in a closer to their means you know same with the retail guy who was struggling with a business that wasn 't making it mm-hmm. let them go start fresh it 's better to start fresh sometimes and it also cleans out you know all the noise in the system for us who are who are you know investors looking looking for for investors or those looking for deals, it clears out the noise. So again, the weak players are are kind of moved aside. Right. So, yeah, so that's to me that. what, what is happening, and that's an opportunity. That's right. Bob, I'm curious. I got just
2: maybe two questions left for you, and then we'll we'll, we'll kind of round third and head for home. Um, what's your favorite way to communicate with investors? Um, are you, is it conference call? Is it, is it webinar? Is it video? Is it in a writing, maybe on a, in a memo? Uh, I'm always looking for ways to up, you know, my game and way I communicate with investors. Investors are always asking for more information, whether it's more consistently, whether it's more transparency, all those kind of things. But what's your favorite sort of mechanism for communicating with them?
0: And I guess I'm kind of old school. We actually take the time to do a full workup of our of our portfolios, risk factors, all this. And we uh, we publish a newsletter. Okay, so I do, sure. I do a quarterly newsletter. It's typically three or four pages. You know, you know, my, my favorite, you know, person I follow is uh, you know, Warren Buffett. And sure. and with kind of his you know, here here's the state of the union. I give the state of the union. Here's here's what's working. Here's what isn't working. I also do full financial workup and send that out for those that care. I care, and I I know you know I I do things that I think I would want to see. Sure. And I don't get a lot of questions on that, and uh, because I, I think people see our full disclosure. Uh, but I I love the quarterly newsletters and uh, we also if there's ever anything that is you know I I try to treat it like we're like we're a public company so anything material that happens I will also send notices out um, mm-hmm. as that happens um, so so that and then we just we've been doing for the last few years we do a annual shareholder meeting again you know okay. following following Buffett's model you know and and we're, this year we're doing that all virtual so that'll be a first in the past we we because I want to see my investors so I actually yeah we we, we uh, made a really nice spread for them and really took care of them, you know, catered everything and really trying, because I want to see them. I want to shake their hands. I want, yeah. to, I want to know them. And so once a year we do a one day deal this year, it's all virtual. And, and yeah, so. that's fantastic
2: thanks for that feedback yeah we love it I mean, we're we do a lot of stuff via a webinar PowerPoint presentation mm-hmm. which is essentially you know uh, very similar to a newsletter just broken down in a different format uh, if you will um, but I'd love to get on and, and, and do a webcam type of update where people can see me look me in the eye even though it's virtual looking me in the eye you know just a way to see that I'm still there I'm not hiding behind anything very mm-hmm. similar to the way you guys are very transparent with your newsletters so Bob last last question then I definitely want you, again, uh, to kind of plug your website for so people can get more information about Aspen Funds and about you. Uh, but uh, any kind of final thoughts or pieces of advice? You've obviously been through several different ups and downs, SNL. Uh, you know, I think people always like to hear from people that have kind of been through the ringer, right, as an entrepreneur. So what have you learned over the past 20, 30 years? What are some kind of couple bullets as for running a business, being a successful entrepreneur, uh, that you can kind of pass along to our audience and say, "Look, these are some things that you've got to have. Doesn't matter if it's a crisis or not. Here's how to run a successful business. A couple characteristics that are must-haves that you've seen that you think you carry through this crisis for you."
0: Yeah, you know, and and you know, uh, I I think there's no easy there's there's no shortcuts through this. You know, truthfully, this is when it matters how you treated people, you know, mm-hmm. are your people going to stick with you, you know, and it, are, are you, are you a jerk? Or are you, do you treat people well? Are your investors going to stick with you? Well, again, it's the same thing. Do you treat your investors well? And so I, I think it really matters how you ran your business. And and I think if this is a time to, to figure out if you're going to lose everything, well, then figure out how to do it right next time, you know, and take, take care of your investors. And then I then I think it's, it's grit and it's resilience, you know. Mm-hmm. Don't be shaken. I've been there, man, where no one was returning the phone calls and you know, you wondered what what why you were waking up every morning, you mm-hmm. know, and if that's the situation you're in, trust me, it'll get better. And look for the opportunities, not just the problems. And you know, and get a good community, right? Get around friends, get around people right. that that are upbeat that are can do people that are solution, solution people versus problem people. And uh, I mean, change your, change your view, right? Change your atmosphere, change your, change your environment to a, to a positive upbeat entrepreneurial thinking culture.
2: Yeah. I love it, Bob. That's fantastic. One of the things I've seen too in this time is I see entrepreneurs who are running businesses you know they get maybe a little bit fat and happy over the last ten years, and now you know they're thinning their business out. They're they're saying, okay, who's my absolutely critical people? I've got to have. Let's get a little leaner. Let's get a little meaner. Let, let let let's run the business. Let's not get uh let's not take things for granted. Uh, let's not keep too many people that we really don't need. And they're finding the ways to you know keep their absolute best a players creme de la creme people that can help them develop things on the back side of this and take their business off. To the next level because I do think it's going to be a V-shaped or a U-shaped type of curve. There's going to be a lot of opportunity on the backside. A lot of things are going to be thinned out. A lot less competition, and the people who have access to capital, investor relationships are going to win.
0: That's right. We're we're not looking for how to reduce our costs right now. We're looking for how to take market share, and uh, you know, so that's our that's our you know, and I think this is the perfect time to do that.
2: Fantastic. Bob, so tell us again, where can we reach out if our audience wants to get more information about you or about Aspen Funds?
0: Uh, Aspen, like the tree, funds.us.us.
2: Fantastic. So we'll put that in the show notes. Guys, go check out aspenfunds.us for more information about their offerings and their funds and how you can invest passively with them. Bob, this is great visiting with you, getting to know you a little bit more. I appreciate you jumping on Accelerated Investor.
0: My pleasure. Great to be with you.
1: You've been listening to Josh Cantwell and the Accelerated Investor Podcast. Leave a comment on our iTunes channel and let us know what you want to learn next or who you'd like Josh to interview. While you're there, give us a five-star rating and make sure to subscribe so you can be the first to hear new episodes. Follow Josh Cantwell and his companies, Strategic Real Estate Coach and Freeland Ventures on all social media platforms now and stay up to date on new training and investment opportunities. To start your journey toward the lifestyle you've always Dreamed Apply for coaching at Josh